bad. <laughs> and the downright ugly. Live Sunday, January 24th, the showdowns in New York. The third annual Bunkhouse Stampede Final with more than 20 of the top NWA wrestlers. Only the roughest. Only the toughest. Will be left standing at the end. And the payoff, one half million bucks. For a boot full of dollars, these cowboys will do anything. Everything goes, anything goes. Don't miss it. See us do what we do best. Double team, triple team. The finals of the Bunkhouse Stampede. The baddest of the bad. This is Dusty Rose, the American Dream, and I'm here to tell you there ain't nothing as bad as the Bunkhouse Stampede. And there's only one way that you can get the Bunkhouse Stampede, so I want you to listen up, that pilgrim. For more information on how to order the Bunkhouse Stampede Championships in your own home, on January 24th, call your local cable company. This is Dusty Rose, the American Dream. The buckle, the boot, the prestige, the money of the Bunkhouse Stampede. Being the baddest of the bad, being the bull of the woods, if you will. 25, 30 million, stampeding into one little bit of ring, you understand? With one thing in mind, to hurt somebody, to kick somebody's booty, to twist their arm off and put their ankles up in the chin. And many mornings I got up dwelling on the fact of being the two times winner of the bunkhouse stampede. How am I going to do it this year when last year I had to feel around see if my nose was still on my face? Look up in the morning and see if my ears were still on my head. My eyeballs in the socket was, were playing steady on my mind. Because I knew Dusty Rose has to be the Bunkhouse Stampede champion for the third time. If you will, for your hockey fans, it's a hat trick. You understand? It's a hat trick. And Dusty Rose now comes at you with this in mind. Anywhere, any place that on the marquee you see the National Wrestling Alliance presents the Bunkhouse Stampede. If you want to just feel a little bit of how bad it is to be the baddest, to be the bull of the woods, then and only then, buy your ticket, walk in and sit down and watch Dusty Rhodes become the bull of the woods. Hello and welcome to episode number 70 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are heading into St. Patty's Day. What do you have from the news desk this week, sir? Alright, so we're going to spend just a few minutes on another sport... The sport of NASCAR. Well, we've done that before on this show. We talk about other sports briefly. Sure. I got the uh, the opportunity to hang out with uh, a NASCAR Hall of Famer yesterday. A newly minted. NASCAR. A, a newly minted NASCAR Hall of Famer. Yes. In uh, in the one and only Mark Martin. Mark Martin, who has a wrestling connection because we saw on those episodes of Nitro, the Valvoline 6 car was a common gift given away. I think they did it for a couple of years yeah. on pay-per-views and Nitros where they were giving away Mark Martin's car. WCW NASCAR had a lot of connections. I mean, they had the Kyle Petty NWO. Kyle Petty turning heel really offended me because I loved Kyle Petty and he joined the NWO and drove their car. So, uh, But Mark Martin never, never defected. No. Uh, but he never drove, I don't think he ever drove a WCW car, but you got the chance to meet him over the weekend. I did, yeah. Local car dealership was um, doing a autograph signing. It was raining. Tent sale, trying to get the people in. Yeah, it was raining tremendously. Very, very bad. I was like, hell, what's water? You know, it's just water. But I didn't figure out that not a lot of people are going to turn out at first because of the rain. So I went, you know, got my picture with him and got an autograph. And uh, you were like the first person there. Yeah, for almost an hour and a half. 
<laughs> wow. Well, he was there from like all day. Like, yeah, it, from eleven to four, and so nobody else really showed up till about one. Well, yeah, they had so, to go get lunch, and you know. So uh, it was really cool. Uh, got to uh, sit there and talk with him. We talked about the old uh, number six Valvoline and and his works with uh, with WCW and. He said, actually, deep down, he loves pro wrestling. He he actually he doesn't watch it anymore, but he does. He used to watching it when he raced, and he thought it was extremely entertaining. And that he uh, well, he's a Southern boy. I'm sure he, he was a WCW NWA fan growing up in Arkansas. He just loved to watch it, and he thought it was very uh, very fitting that Turner was always giving away his number six Valvoline car from. And I think he said it. They did it from '96 to. 99 or something like that which always begs the question what do you do with a nascar because you can't drive it on the street no you can't uh you know the market to sell it to somebody is very limited i mean there's not a lot of people that are itching to have you can't you can't put just regular gasoline in it and drive it around your right up until a few years ago it still used leaded gasoline which you can't just go find now they use like jet fuel right yeah, I'm always curious uh, when they give this kind of stuff away. Do they ever... I wonder if they just say, here's the cash equivalent. Do you just want that instead? And if they did take the car, I would... We mention it all the time on this podcast, anytime we see these promotions. We always want them to track the people down that win this shit and find out, do they still have... Is that Stone Cold Steve Austin truck still in someone's garage? The Macho Man truck. Yeah, the Macho Man truck, which... They, you know, was not the monster truck. It was just a pickup truck, even though Tony had to correct himself. Or uh, Mark Martin's NASCAR. Does someone have a stock car that they never drove that they just held on to? I mean, I want updates on every WCW and WWE contest winner ever. They did it once with the guy that won the first house for the... Uh, they checked in on the guy that won the in-your-house house. Yeah. And turns out he like sold it. Almost immediately or whatever, but yeah, I want some follow-ups, guys. And uh, Mark Martin uh, is the NASCAR equivalent, uh, I would say, to Mr. Perfect. A very, very good wrestler, a very, very good NASCAR driver. Yeah. But never Never won the big one. Never won the big one. Never the champion. Never... Never won the Daytona 500. Won secondary titles because he won the uh, Bush series several times. Like, I think he he's the record holder for the uh, the Bush championship when the... Uh, now they don't let you run two series the entire season long. Right. Back then they used to. So he would do a weekend. He would run both events. Well, since. back then he, he used to run ARCA too. So he did ARCA, Bush, and the the He'd Winston have a full Cup. weekend. Yeah. And, and make so, a lot of money. So, and uh, had a lot of success, but never, yeah, never broke on through. But it was cool, man. It was awesome. We, I had, like I said, I had almost an hour and a half of just standing there, yes, in the pouring rain, but just shooting the shit with him and talking wrestling and talking NASCAR. And sure enough, man, he, he kind of, he's kind of sad, like the rest of the, the crowd, the fans of NASCAR, that it's it's just not what it used to be. Just like wrestling, I mean, it had a boom period and then... It's on its decline, but of course, you know, wrestling had a resurgence, and I think NASCAR will have a resurgence eventually uh, again. You know, it, it's it's one of those things. It's ebbs and flows. You know, it's it's peaks and valleys of of interest. That's pretty cool. Congrats on meeting a uh, celebrity. Now, in today's point system, I mean, the point system was much different when he raced, but I think he would he would. 
definitely won a championship in this playoff system. Oh yeah, this playoff system is as where because wins are much much more valued. As good as a driver as Mark Martin truly is, and one of arguably one of the greatest of all time, hands down, if you look at his statistics, I mean just back to back over and over top fives and top tens. No, second place finishes every constantly. every week. This is uh this the point system now is is set for a driver like a Mark Martin to thrive and and be extremely successful. But instead he's running car dealerships and uh, making a lot of money doing that. So he's probably pretty happy with uh, and not risking his life every weekend. So Yeah. Yeah. Kind of wish we saw the uh the Viagra number 6. How befitting would that have been? Well, if we were covering like a Val Venus choppy choppy or PP episode, it would have been fitting. It would have tied in perfectly for exactly. this week. What do you have from the wrestling world this All right, week? Back to wrestling. The wrestling world. Abby Lath. Abby Lath and Sage Beckett. They have uh, they've been let go. Been let go from WWE NXT per se. Yeah, they were down at the Performance Center. I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure both of them were in the May Young Classic. They were and. and from what I recall, uh, especially Sage Beckett's performance against Bianca Blair didn't look too good. So, uh, yeah, it's – I mean, they make cuts from time to time. Right. But the good thing about getting cut in the performance center without making it to the main roster is you can always come back. It's, you know, it's not the end. It's definitely strange that they cut – with the emphasis on female wrestling that they're cutting female wrestlers, but – Right. I mean, I mean, Emma was released earlier this year. Made no sense. Right. Yeah. Moving on though, there's a new Ric Flair movie in the works. Like to be in theaters. To be in theaters. It's going to be an animated series where well, Ric Flair has decided to somewhat help write and produce this himself. It's called Uncle Steamroller and Champion Rabbit. Now, I don't know much about the concept of this. It sounds terrible. It, it, it sounds extremely terrible. But as uh, he is going to be playing the voice of a... Uh, it's called Uncle Steamroller and Champion Rabbit. Yes. The movie will focus on the World Wrestling Union, a Las Vegas syndicate that owns a wrestling tour that Uncle Steamroller attempts to stage his comeback on. Uncle Steamroller is a dejected Iraq war veteran who's struggling to regain his heavyweight title while being managed by a failed motivational speaker. Flair and his fiance are executive producers on this film. Um, just based on this description, it sounds terrible. I hate to say it. Sorry, yeah. Rick. Uh, yeah. We we sang Rick Flair's praises last, last week on our show. I also said he's good at... Uh, blowing through money and it sounds like if he's got anything invested in this i'm he's sorry i it. hate to say it buddy it, it, this sounds really bad yeah it's it sounds extremely terrible i cannot believe <laughs> that i am actually even remotely reporting this hey you know what but we haven't seen the finished product yet it could come out and blow could, us away it so. could be a lot better than we expect that is true so uh best of luck to uh to nate <laughs> uncle steamroller Best of Good luck, luck to, Uncle Steamroller. Yeah, Uncle Steamroller. And so um And Champion Rabbit. On to more serious news. Rich Swan pulled himself from any and all upcoming events. Well, he said he was gonna finish working I thought he was gonna finish working his dates and then retire. No, he went ahead and pulled himself from them. He's not even gonna be a part of WrestleMania weekend. 
which is a, a huge surprise because he was a big selling point for... Uh, well, and you can make a lot of money re- yeah. WrestleMania weekend so, at all the independent shows happening around WrestleMania. So I, I don't know what's going on there. I find it he, very odd. He thinks he's going to retire. And wrestling retirements take it with a grain of salt. You know, I'm sure he's um, going through some stuff right now. You know, uh, I don't know if it's stuff with his wife or stuff personally, but he's going to take some time off. But I don't yeah. think we've seen the the last of Rich Swan uh, so, at all. So he's going. This will probably be the last time we talk talk about him for a while. Yeah, but I, I do think he'll resurface eventually because he's very very young and he has a lot of talent and uh best of luck to him I yeah hope, i hope that this is not the end we have a new inductee into the wwe hall of fame you can go ahead and say who it is it's a man who's very deserving yeah so deserving so that i think about 90 percent of wrestling fans probably thought he was already in including myself i actually thought I think they've got this wrong. He's in the Hall of Fame. Well, it's because Hillbilly Jim is the latest inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame. And I think the reason I thought that, and a lot of other wrestling fans thought that too, is because he did Legends House. Uh, He was in that gimmick Battle Royal to X7. He's been in numerous DVDs, uh, you know, interviewed. Never like a feature DVD, but he's around this company enough to where you think, well, he's already in the Hall of Fame. That's that's what I always thought. Yeah. And so when they announced it, I was kind of like surprised that he wasn't in already. Right. It almost feels like they just looked down the list and were like, uh, someone left Hillbilly Jim off this list of people that are already in. And they were like, oh, no, he's not in. And they're like, oh, we got to fix that. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, this guy should have been in years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. And good for him. Congratulations. Not who we were expecting the announcement to be this week, but... We've already, I think, got more inductees than we had last year at the class we attended. We had a pretty uh, slimmed-down class. All that remains, of course, is, sadly, they're going to need... Just based on prior years, they need their deceased entrance. So I thought that Bam Bam Bigelow was going to be the next call. I and really I thought Bam Bam was going to be called up too and uh I mean fingers crossed hopefully. Oh, I think I think he still will be. Yeah, I think. Um and then of course you need your celebrity, Patrick and Kid Rock waits patiently for his phone to ring in Detroit as he is they're using his song for WrestleMania, so he's going to be there. Well, yeah, so, he's going to be performing. Yeah, so uh I think that one's a lock. And I think that pretty much rounds out the class. I don't see any other surprises in there. I mean, Jeff Jarrett was the biggest surprise by that, far. That's the shocker of the of the the whole weekend, in my opinion. Uh, but Hillbilly Jim is a is a nice addition, and like I said, I thought he was in already. This guy contributed a lot, not just as a wrestler, um, a very memorable character, had an awesome theme song. And also a good manager for the uh, Godwins for yeah. that brief run in the, the new gen. And then at that gimmick battle royal in X7, which is probably my most fond memory of Hillbilly Jim because I didn't watch a lot of 80s WWF or early 90s for that matter. He looked awesome in that gimmick battle royal when he walked out. Yeah. I was like, this dude's ready. He's ring ready right now. And uh, so congratulations to him. He seems like a really nice guy on that Legends house. He, Yeah, good for him. Long overdue, especially someone who, who deserved to have been in there years ago. Congratulations. 
on uh, on Hillbilly getting inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, Scott Hall getting I, into a fight with Davy Boy Smith's family. Now, uh, I yeah, I really think that I'm not taking sides here, but I think it was a little overreaction from uh, the family of Davy Boy Smith. I mean, uh, the comment was pretty innocuous. Uh, yeah, pretty. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was really that offensive. All he said was. Uh, there was some picture of uh, Lex and Bulldog in that tag team, yeah. and Scott Hall just made the comment, "Mid Carters that never made it to the top." And guys, I'm so I hate to say it, uh, he's right. I mean, in some ways, he's I see his point. I don't think he was doing it to be offensive or provocative, or you know, I mean. But if that's your father, if that's your relative, I you know I can see why you would argue that and get mad at Scott Hall. But I don't. It's not a big deal. I, I just don't think there's I don't think there's much to this really other than, you know, people being sensitive about you're talking about my family and you're saying that they never made it to the top. What you could argue, yeah, they Bulldog did make it to the top. He had title matches. Uh he never won the title, but uh you know, Scott Hall on the other hand, you could say it about him too. Right. So, you know, it's the pot calling the kettle black kind of thing. It's the uh, it's up to interpretation. You right. know, and and Luger won the WCW World Title several times. You know, and it's all pro wrestling, guys. It's a, it's a, it's not even a real sport. You know, so making it to hush the t- your mouth. It is a real sport. It's, it's entertainment, and it's making it to the top. You talked about we talked about Mark Martin earlier. He made it to the top, even though he never won a Winston Cup. That's true. The British Bulldog is the Mark Martin of of. NASCAR or Mr. Perfect, you know yeah. you can't say that they. It's kind of a gray area. You could argue it either way, you know. Well, you could say, well, he didn't. Bull, Bulldog's uh, daughter comes back and and says three out of his five best matches involved her father and or someone in her family, and so he needed to start paying a little bit more respect to those who helped him be already have what WWE considers a Hall of Fame career. She's got a good point, too. I can't really think outside of Shawn Michaels a lot of great Scott Hall matches, really, you know, individual matches. That's right. I mean, he was a part of Owen winning King of Ring. Yeah, he was always, a, you know, kind of a side character, helped Ric Flair. He helped, uh, he helped Brett win his King of the Ring. Yeah, and what's funny is he called out Luger and Bulldog for being in that tag team. Well, get, when he went to WCW... Guess who fell in a tag team, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a whatever. It, it's just Scott Hall sending out a tweet, you know. I, I found it to be quite hilarious. Scott Hall knows how to stir the shit up on Twitter. He Dude, is, man. He's done it before. So. Especially if he posts a, a uh, if he takes a picture of his Christmas tree and posts it on Twitter. That's, can't do that. What happened? You didn't see that? No, what happened? Explain. Oh, <laughs> It, was it the like bad guy, leaf? the bad guy, takes a picture of his Christmas tree a couple of years ago, posts it on Twitter, and uh, this is, if I remember correctly, right after he had just gotten into the, uh, the Hall of Fame, and unfortunately, in in the frame in the picture was a uh, a big screen TV, and the big screen TV was in process of showing a. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I remember this. A, yeah. a yes, a uh, adult <laughs> f- 
film. Per but in se. a way, that's the perfect thing <laughs> for him to send. Yes. Like that's exactly the type of picture Scott Hall. Well, Scott uh, obviously, you know, Scott's going to do it as a joke and as a gag, you know, to th- wrestling fans. Uh, it's a work sometimes. Yeah. yeah, some people did not find it funny. He had to go back and then edit the picture to strictly just the tree, taking out the TV. Uh, but, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Scott Scott Hall on Twitter is probably best just left alone. Jonathan Coachman is now a male chauvinist pig. <laughs> no, he's and the in sexual tr- harassment. No, he's... For, just like every other man who has ever stepped foot in the spotlight of any other sport known to man or acting. If you have any level of fame in your man, you need to be very careful right around now. <laughs> yeah. Now is not a good time to very be Very careful. <laughs> a former employee of ESPN sued the company uh, for being sexually harassed in the workplace. Now, it wasn't about Jonathan Coachman, though, directly. It was about this other employee that actually sent her, like, a shirtless photo of himself and was uh, coming on a little strong. A little strong, if you know what I mean. Like, I mean, I saw the the copies of the text messages that that have been posted. That you can search this yourself. I mean, her lawyers have put them out there. I mean, it's, but they're pretty innocuous. They're not nothing. It's nothing graphic. It's just I got this guy trying to get laid, basically. This this one guy at ESPN. And anyway, uh, later on in the lawsuit, she claims other ESPN employees tried to do the same thing, and Jonathan Coachman was one of them. He didn't send, like, shirtless pics and do all this other stuff that the main guy did. But he sent her, like, hey, you want to – maybe I can mentor you sometime. I can show you the ropes of ESPN. And she was like, "Uh, no, I'm not not really interested or whatever. And apparently after that happened, he shut her out. And he was just totally not going to, you know, be friendly towards her. But she felt like it was because – she shot him down now she's being ostracized at work like at first when i first saw that he was mentioned in the lawsuit but then when i went to go read it i just don't think there's much to his involvement in in her claims against espn so i think in this case uh i don't think the wwe is going to take any action against him uh they are looking into it but he he's going to be fine i just find it to to be ridiculous that this seems to be in every week or multiple accounts on a weekly basis that it's just getting out of hand. I mean, I'm sorry. Well, I just think it's hard to find truth in all of this. It really is. Where is the line between flirting and harassment? Right. And I think that's that line is is being well, who's to say he was flirting? I mean, all oh, he did was... I'm not talking about Coachman directly. Yeah, right. I'm just talking in general. Like, it's not against the law to try to hit on a woman. No. You know, and but at the same time, you know, you don't want to harass her. And I think that line is now so convoluted because now you can say I make you feel uncomfortable if I just look at you the wrong way, or maybe right. I. That's one extreme to the other. You know, right. it, it's the lines just got really blurry and. Um, I think it's unfortunate for people that have lost their jobs and stuff over pretty innocuous stuff. I don't feel sorry for the people where it was actually or it was serious, true. yeah, or yeah, true or false. And that's another thing the the you know the burden of proof. I mean, it's 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 pretty unfortunate that it seems like the accused is automatically guilty. And right, that but that but that happens not just in. This like this happens in murder cases. This this is something we do as a society on 
multiple yeah. things. Like well, aren't just quick to judge. Our our constitution was written on the fact that you are innocent until proven guilty. Right, but we don't. Nobody looks at it that way. No, you are guilty of you are guilty as charged. <laughs> you now have to prove your innocence. You have to work your way back. Yeah, yeah. And even then, if you're a public figure, such as. Uh, an actor or you know an athlete that your reputation never gets back or if you you know as for sometimes it does though because kobe bryant you know had that terrible thing he was accused of rape in uh denver colorado a few years ago well the academy awards he won an academy award on sunday yeah he looked the likes of someone like rick swan who uh was riding high and this, you know, a, a simple, you know, a simple domestic alleged allegation, which was completely false. Well, no, I, I don't want to say it was false, but it wasn't, there was no criminal charges. And I mean... I'm just saying it has cost him everything to the point now that he's he's contemplating retiring. it up, yeah. yeah. That's unfortunate, yeah. You know, that's crazy to go from within six months of being a champion in a sport to being... Well, I've got to retire because technically, you know. Our- or well, I I mention this example all the time. It's like Chris Brown, the rapper, beat the shit out of Rihanna. You know, beat the shit out of this this girl's face. You know, the pictures of it all over the internet. You know, we play his music and we we give him awards. Ray Rice punches his wife. You can't play football anymore. Why is the treatment you know for this person different than from this person? And then why is it's just a very complicated thing. And I don't really know that it's going to ever improve. It would be different if you knew what you were getting into when when something like an allegation came out. Well, and also it's out. like if you knew all the details. I mean, yeah. you people rush to judgment and they weren't even there. And right. they don't know, have all the, the information in front of them. Right. They read a 280-character tweet and they say, that's it. Open and shut case. You did this. That's it. Done. Yeah, Sold. I don't ever want them on my my uh, in my jury for if I'm on <laughs> if I'm on trial for something because it's it's well and that's bad. Uh, well the, and this is all, this is off topic too. But I mean juries. Okay, so these people are, are dragged into these juries out of their workplace. We don't compensate juries. They get like five dollars a day or whatever. They have to legally do it. They don't want to be there, so they're already annoyed. Yeah. You've already ruined their day by dragging them in there. They're not going to be too... Uh, too key on helping really out. Really sorting out this case. Yeah. yeah they're going to go ahead and say, uh, yeah, sounds like you did it. All right. I'm going to go back home. to work. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get back to work. So anyway, yeah. So complicated stuff. I don't think... It, just like with the Roman Reigns steroid stuff that's going on right now, I don't think anything's going to happen with Coachman. Well, I, I hope and pray something's going to happen to that because we might actually not have to... No, that's not nice. <laughs> you, just, I, you just don't want Roman Reigns in the main event. But, well, exactly. Well, the rumor is that they might close the show with Cena and Taker. So maybe even, even if Reigns is on the card, maybe he doesn't close the show. I mean... God forbid this man doesn't close the show. He's only closed it the last four years in a row. Maybe it's time to, honestly, if they want to have the best match close the show, uh, Nakamura and Styles should close the oh, show. Oh, uh, yeah. And, but they haven't done enough to heat Nakamura up enough to have the fans, the non-hardcore you know, hardcore fans. Behind this match. R- behind him. Right. They'll, they'll be hot for AJ Styles, but like they haven't done enough to heat him up. So now that match I don't think can go on last, even though it's going to be match of the night. 
I think it has to be. Yeah. I mean, I could be surprised. I could be wrong. You know, I'll go back to this tape after WrestleMania, after, you know, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar tear the house down, and I'll, I'll you know, apologize for uh, calling, you know, picking the wrong match of the night. But uh, I think you're pretty safe on, on your. Yeah, I, I, I do too. And uh, I just don't think anything's going to come of Coachman. So uh, that'll blow over. He'll be fine. That has more to do with ESPN than Coachman. Sammy Callahan. Yeah, there's another Twitter fight there. Okay. Jim Cornette, not happy with him. If For those of you who don't remember, last week on Impact, he took a baseball bat and bashed a poor man right in the face with it. Yeah, he was supposed to hit a chair that was on his uh, chest. He is mad and has gone out on a, uh, a another podcast and has talked about how, I'm sorry, is wrestling fake or real? <laughs> what fucking planet are you on, dude? Then he proceeds to say that he, fuck you. If you think that he is unsafe, and fuck you if you don't like him, because he is the most requested pro wrestler in the world today, and look at his look at his date book, and look at his you know where he's going to be and what days and all this, and that you know what fuck you for the fans if you want to say he's un- he's unsafe, fuck the wrestlers and the boys in the back if they want to say he's unsafe, he doesn't give a shit, he doesn't need any of you. He, he just went on a tyrant. You can go out there. You can look. I'm not going to spend long on this because I have one thing and one thing only to say. We don't need you out there hurting people. <laughs> so, no, fuck you. Yeah, we don't need broken orbital sockets every week. Um, I mean, God. Yeah, there's a way to work, a, you know, a baseball. Sting did it for years, you know. Yeah. You could have given him a foam bat. This is also on, on the management of Impact for sending him in there with an actual bat. I mean, come on, guys, you know, and for him to then, yeah, and then knowing that he has a metal bat, swing it, still swinging for the fences like he's fucking Babe Ruth, and then missing, and then... Not missing by inches, we're talking, he missed by like two feet. Yeah, barely clipped the chair, and then smashed this poor Eddie Edwards in the face... Could have killed the guy, honestly. Really could have, and it's... uh, It's fortunate he only got the damage he did, really. He's very lucky. Uh, but the fact that this dude is out there not owning up to the fact... You know what? Hey, it, something happened. It, you know, it was a stunt gone wrong. I, I apologize. Man up, own up for your mistakes, and move the fuck on. No, you're going to get out there and you're going to bash everybody else. Well, he's just stirring us, you know. He's just stirring the marks. Well, you know? I get that. I and, and and he's trying to make the best out of a bad situation because let's face it, Sammy Callahan. Yeah, you know, indie fans know who he was. I didn't know who he was before he smashed this dude's face in. I I've been in the business for how long? I didn't know who the hell he was. Yeah, so um, he's making the most out of his fifteen minutes of fame. It's sort of like uh, that female wrestler last year that. That put the arm bar on too long. You just, oh, sexy star. Yeah, sexy star, or uh, you know Joey Ryan doing dick flips. Uh, you just God that yeah. You make the most out of your fifteen minutes. So. But I mean, it's one thing to to make the most out of it, but it's another thing to it actually attack the boys in the back. Oh, I think that publicly just, attack the boys in the back. I think that's just a work. I I I, I don't and buy so, too much uh, into that. I just I feel like. It, he could have handled it a little bit more with more class and still still added to his 15 minutes of fame. Well, he's got to stay in character, Patrick. 
kayfabe, man. He's a heel. He's got. He can stay in character and add to it, but I mean, son of a bitch, you don't have to sit there and cuss out and then want to actually. Well, is wrestling fake or real? I mean, what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah, I don't think that's the point. Yeah, it's a bizarre thing to even ask. Yeah, I don't. In 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 a proper context, the dude's just out there and he's wacky and he's crazy and. I'll never be in a ring with him. Yeah, I and would, it's not. It's not by. It's by choice. I'll, I'd never book that guy. No, no, I'm not going to book years. him. I would never book him. And if he's at a show I'm at, turn your back. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with him. I mean, that's just that he's unsafe, and you know he's he doesn't need to be in in the sport of professional wrestling. It's true. I Period. agree, hundred percent. The uh, we got some bigger news now. All right, now we're on to some bigger and better news. Who remembers All-Star Wrestling? Do you remember All-Star Wrestling? Probably not, because it was on before you were born. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. But, it, uh, oh, yeah, they, they put it on the network. Yes, they did. They I got put an it email on the about it. And, uh, okay, All-Star Wrestling was based out of the Hamburg Fieldhouse in Pennsylvania and featured Bob Backlund, superstar Billy Graham, Ernie Ladd, and Andre the Giant, among others. So... More great vault content, which is something we love. And there's quite a bit of episodes, too. Yeah, it's like not, 80. Yeah, it's not like just three or four or six, you know. There's quite a there's quite a bit. And so... Um, Some mid-70s to early 80s wrestling. So, yeah. Uh, we'll have to check out some of those sometime, maybe for a review. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Ring of Honor is coming up on its 16th anniversary. Wow. 16 years. Who would have thought? Yes, that's when they do Super Card of Honor is uh, WrestleMania weekend. It'll be at the UNO Lakefront Arena in New Orleans, headlined by, of course, Cody versus Kenny Omega. So a very stacked main event. And then the other announced match, Ring of Honor champion Dalton Castle. Yes, that's right. Dalton Castle is the Ring of Honor champion at the moment, taking on the villain, Marty Skrull. So there you have it, the... The Elite headlining Supercard of Honor 12. So WrestleMania weekend, ladies and gentlemen, that's actually the show you're going to want to go see. Yes. Unfortunately, you're going to have to make a tough choice Saturday night because you can either go to the NXT event or the Ring of Honor event. But R- Ring of Honor. I think I would choose Ring of Honor, too. Now, there's still some tickets still available, and it's only $30 to see that card? Wow. That's, that, that's, that's a, a steal. Yeah, that is a... I mean, those aren't great seats, but... To be a part of that. It's a small arena. You're going to be pretty close no matter where you sit. Yeah, I got a feeling there's not going to be a bad seat in the house. Yeah, 30 bucks. That's a steal. That's a steal. So congratulations to Ring of Honor for making it this long. And uh, I think big things still to come for Ring of Honor, especially with this new Japan partnership. Yeah, I think think, uh, huge things still to come, and I'm looking forward to it uh, Every year it gets a little bit bigger. Just a little bit. On Friday, April 27th, so after WrestleMania, uh, the WWE is heading back over to the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, Abu Dhabi, where the WWE has always wanted to expand their footprint. And so they're going to head over there, and they are going to take them a 50-man Royal Rumble. And they're going to broadcast it live on the network. And I guess you'll watch it on tape delay unless you want to stay up until... I don't know what the time difference is, but... <laughs> It's going to be going on at 9 o'clock in the morning. And it'll probably last, oh, 15 men. I hope the entrance 
you know, time between is like 30 seconds because... Oh, dude, if they put it at two minutes for each individual person... Uh, yeah, that's 100 minutes of entrances alone. Yeah. You know, I mean, whew, I don't know about this. I, I, I thought the 40-man one was a little little much. Now add 10 more to it. No, fuck that. Why not just double it and let's do 60? Let's just put everybody in. Everybody on the roster. I like that idea. Every man... In the men's one, and every woman in the women's one. Just all of them. From past and now, too. Yeah, everyone that's still alive, sign them for one night. Let's just do a thousand-man Royal Rumble. That would be awesome. (laughs) Of course you would think. You are the next Vince McMahon, because they had a 40-man, I'll give them a 50-man, damn it. So, yeah, 50-man Royal Rumble. Rumble for I like a hundred man Royal Rumble. I hope that there's a stipulation on the line, or else this is just a house show thing. I mean, basically. Well, this ain't no house show Royal Rumble. Well, I know they're bringing the whole house. They're bringing the house and the other house. Yeah. I hope that there's a title shot on the line. Your winner of the fifty man Royal Rumble will be Roman Reigns. Just so everybody's aware of this. I don't think the champs will be in it, and I think he'll be the champ at the time. So. I hope not. I think he's actually is advertised to be in it, so maybe the champs are in it. I don't know what's at stake, though. Well, hell, the champs will have to be in it to scrape up 50 people. Oh, they've got 50 people without the champs. Not without digging into NXT and... Yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to pull from NXT to get... And, and 205 Live and... You're going to have some call-ups after Mania, so maybe there'll be more on the main roster, too, but... Oh, man. Unless you have people... You well, are gonna... like this year's Royal Rumble, unless you have people work double and triple times, I mean... You're going to have some real jobbers in there. I mean, you're going to have Samir Singh, you know, the fashion police. I can't think of... You're going to have Epico and Primo, who we haven't seen in months. They're probably going to show up in this thing. I mean, I'm just trying to think of people who have just disappeared. Titus. I mean, you are going to have some real... Oh, uh, Kurt Hawkins is oh, going to show up. Sorry. Your winner of the 50-man Royal Rumble, the Maha- the modern-day Maharaja... Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal. It's a good pick, actually. Well, we'll have to see how this goes. I, I don't... <laughs> this is after Mania, so we'll see what's on the line for this yeah. thing. But if there's no stipulation involved, I am not watching that. I, I will not subject I misread them. it. I actually thought that next year's Royal Rumble was going to be there. Oh, no. Thank goodness. <laughs> so I was thinking, like, holy shit. You know, now with on-demand and stuff, it's not that bad as long as you don't... You can't log online or you'll see yeah, spoilers. Yeah, don't fucking go on any type of social media because you'll see spoilers right then and there. A couple other notes I wanted to mention before we get into the Bunkhouse Stampede from 1988. You loved this, didn't you? Oh, boy couple other quick notes. NXT is going to introduce a mid-card title, the NXT North American Championship. So another belt in this company that can't get enough belts. Everyone gets a belt. And this, this is, a- is their version, I guess, of the Intercontinental or the U.S. title. Right. It's going to be decided in a six-man ladder match at TakeOver the night before WrestleMania featuring EC3, Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, and Ricochet. So a new mid-card title for NXT. And this is also in addition to the rumored, not yet confirmed, Cruiserweight Tag Team titles, which we just talked about. Are we going to uh, get some? They, it's highly rumored. and at they, 205. Yeah, 205 Live uh, tag titles. So those titles we reviewed on Greed, it's, I'm convinced people are listening. Somewhere in Stanford, people are listening to, at least one person is listening to this podcast. I've seen the numbers. There's not many people listening to us. But there's one. And here's why I, I think that. Because 
I have promoted this this gold dust <laughs> WrestleMania run. Yeah, since day one of this podcast. Yeah, it, you know, several times we talked about this what last year. I mean, around WrestleMania time, and then we talked about it this year yeah. around WrestleMania yeah. time. I was watching Monday Night Raw. Gold Dust walks out. Well, John Cena's in the ring bitching again, doing that same shitty character that I talked about last week, where I'm. Guys, I gotta go win this match. I'm gonna book myself in this match on SmackDown, which is weird that he's on Raw telling you about a SmackDown pro- program, but wh- whatever. It, the Gold Dust music hits, and I'm like, holy shit, they are doing my angle. They listen to me. Gold Dust comes out, tells Cena, you know, fuck you. You know, well, not, he didn't say that. I'll include Gold Dust promo. I could have been a contender, I could have been somebody. Instead of a bum, which is what I am. On the waterfront, 1954. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Your leading man, John Cena. As a matter of fact, I've always had a dream of sharing the silver screen with someone just like you, John. The dreams of soaking in the spotlight at WrestleMania. That dream begins with me stopping John Cena from going to WrestleMania. Now listen, all my dreams They've never had that perfect ending story. It seems like they've all been just taken from me, just like that, just like that. All of my dreams, the dreams of pretty little rainbows have turned gray and very, very evil. That ends today. You want to go to WrestleMania and compete for the WWE title. That is your dream. Well, I'm taking control right now of this here silver screen as your new director. As your new director for this epic motion picture. This is weird. John Cena. And tonight... Your dreams will certainly be shattered. It was kind of weird. It kind of went all over the place. He didn't directly say, like, I want you at Mania or I want a main event Mania. He basically, he's taking his rightful spot, per He se. said he was going to shatter John Cena's dreams. Yeah. Which I thought meant they're about to wrestle here, and Goldust could conceivably be... Be at Fastlane. Well, yeah, Goldust is going to wrestle Cena right now for John's Fastlane spot, and then Gold Dust could conceivably beat AJ Styles and somehow end up at Wrestle. Anyway, just the fact that they brought Gold Dust in for this segment, I was like, holy shit, it's happening. Yeah. It is happening. Yeah. 
We go to break. We come back. Cena, Cena squashes him in about three minutes. Plows, throw him like a fucking bulldozer. End of story. But it was uh, very shocking. And now, we were last week we reviewed a show where the Cruiserweight titles... Yeah, the Cruiserweight tag team titles. We just talked about it last week. This week, the rumor mill... Cruiserweight tag team titles coming soon. Well, they really broke my heart with that gold dust tease. They they swerved me. They had me hooked. Very devastating to see that Dustin was not going to be headlining WrestleMania. But I told I tweeted at Gold Dust. I said, one day, buddy. Your time you will get it one day. You hang in there, maybe another twenty five years. You'll get the, just like Mark Martin, maybe you'll come Next back. Next year, my pick for the Royal Rumble. I'm calling it now. Maybe the fifty man battle royal or yeah, maybe the fifty man one coming up after April. Maybe that's where Gold Dust gets his He and he technically gets a Royal Rumble win. So that goes on the resume. The biggest one of all time so far. Yeah. And I mean, Jim Duggan, that's what he's famous for, is winning a Royal and Rumble. He, and he goes on to win the title at a pay-per-view, SummerSlam, something like that. Or goes on to at least fight for it. He doesn't have to win it. You know, it, Rocky and Rocky, Rocky gets there and comes up short, but he right. still does his best. Right. That's just, is If they tell that story, that's fine, too. Right. I would prefer that he wins, but he oh, can't I'd be too picky. wins too, yeah. but like you said, can't be too picky. So let's go back to 1988. We're back in the 80s. The great great yes. 80s. January 24th, so gas is right at a dollar and 25 cents a gallon. Oh, probably less than that. Let's see. Let's see how much gas was in 1988. Why is it when you're talking about back in the day, it's always a gallon of milk or gas? Or gas. Yeah, why? Because they're just commodities, I guess. Is that, that what everybody? It, okay. Patrick, a gallon of gas in 1988 would cost you a whole 91 cents. Okay, sounds close. But it was probably 90 cents with that nine tenths of a cent thing. I still don't know why we do this. This is the only product in the world that we do this with, where there's a nine tenths of a cent. Why don't we just add the extra tenth of a cent and get it over with? I agree. It's a strange. Strange pricing system we have for gasoline, at least in the United States, as we have listeners from other countries. So I want to explain the bunkhouse stampede idea. So in 1985, Jim Crockett Promotions came up with a new match uh, to get people interested in the product. The bunkhouse stampede originally was just a regular battle royal, and the wrestlers wore, quote, bunkhouse gear. So blue jeans and cowboy boots. They love cowboys. And they had street fights, and weapons were allowed. Ivan and Nikita Koloff would bring their chains to the ring. The Road Warriors fought in their spikes, as they should have always done. Uh, They brought trash can lids and other plunder, leather straps. To win a match, you had to be the last one in the ring with all the others thrown over the top rope. That sounds like a familiar... And uh, both feet hit the floor. Sounds very familiar to uh, another match. I'm not sure it's... Some lame match went away probably years ago. Each year they would have several bunkhouse stampedes throughout the year, and the winners would go on to the final bunkhouse stampede to battle for the championship, which was a big bronze boot and a bunch of money. Bunch of money. But the format changed in 1987. Rather than have all the champions meet in a final match, it was decided whoever won the most matches would be declared the champion. So it was similar to the NASCAR point system, basically. Dusty Rhodes and Big Bubba end up tied after the final one in San Francisco as the winners of that match were the Road Warriors, who it was the final two. They flipped a coin and one hopped out of the ring, so it ended in a draw between Dusty and Bubba Rogers. We had to have an official decision from Jim Crockett Promotions. Dusty was declared the winner, but... 
Bubba got more money because he won more matches. So it was kind of a split decision. But Dusty goes down in history as the Bunkhouse Stampede winner for 1987. Now, prior to tonight's pay-per-view that we're watching here in 1988, there was only one of these actually televised on NWA TV. Happened on December 28, 1985, but it was cut off after only a few minutes of action, probably because it was too violent. So there you go. Too bloody. And now we head to Nassau Coliseum. Uh Uh-oh. We've invaded Vince's backyard. We are. We are in New York City. Uniondale, New York. What was the WWE doing at this time? This would have been... Strangely enough, Patrick. We're building into WrestleMania 4. Strangely enough. Or we're after. Guess what? Ah. And an old WCW tactic, Vince took a page out of their playbook. And so as NWA was presenting their pay-per-view over on the USA Network, you could watch the first ever Royal Rumble. Yes. So a very historic day, January 24th. Makes you think that maybe, just maybe, somebody was watching the NWA, hint, hint, Pat Patterson. Yeah, Pat Patterson. And and kind of stole the idea. Without the cage part. Which, well, beforehand, even without the cage, just the right. Battle Royal. Pat Patterson getting a little too much credit, I think. Did um, you know who come up with the, the concept of the uh, Bunkhouse Stampede, the Battle Royal, and then now the cage? No. Dusty Rhodes. Well, saying. that would make sense because uh, Dusty won a lot of these. Well, yeah. We'll have to see how he fares tonight. He's a smart man. Come up with the idea. <laughs> and then book yourself then to book win yourself it. book yourself to win it. <laughs> A John Cena move in today's WWE. Now, guess who got to work the dark match, everybody? Former NWA champion Jimmy Garvin. Uh Uh-oh. And future NWA champion Sting teamed up to take on the Sheep Herders. You might know them better as... The Bushwhackers. Butch and Luke. And they lost by disqualification to Garvin and Sting in 11.45, so that was the dark match that we missed. Oftentimes on these pay-per-views, I complain, oh, there's too much clutter. No clutter tonight. In fact, no interviews with any of the wrestlers. No time for that shit. No. Because these matches have to be 20 minutes long each. And we'll be reminded of that as the match goes on because Tony Schiavone, our ring announcer. Ring announcer Tony Schiavone. There with a go. nice mustache. Uh, would be telling us how much time was left. 20 minutes on by, 20 minutes remaining. So immediately as we get into this pay-per-view, Nikita Koloff is walking to the ring. He's coming out to his dubbed theme. All the themes were dubbed tonight. You know who who we missed, though? You know what entrance we missed? Oh, I know. We missed the entrance of the legendary, beautiful Bobby Eaton. We did. He was already in the ring. He was. With no explanation as to how he got there. None whatsoever. Maybe he'd been standing there all day, just waiting. Bob Cottle and Jim Ross have the call tonight, as they often would. The bunkhouse stampede tonight, half a million dollars at stake. It's a lot of money. That's a big winner's purse. It's going to fit in that big bronze boot. Yep. Too bad they hand you a check and not actual... Cash. Dollars, yeah. yeah. This is something they don't do in wrestling enough anymore. Talk about the money. It's all about... They never mention the money. I agree. Even the money in the bank. There's no money in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I so, just... terrible. Bring back the money. Ring announcer Tony Schiavone welcomes us to the TV title match between beautiful Bobby Eaton and James E. Cornette, and they are going to take on Nikita Koloff. Well, James E. Cornette is a manager, of course. I wrote here, it's impressive that they made the Russian a face in 1988. That is impressive. Well, yeah. I mean, but Nikita Koloff is just a cool dude. I mean, you, you can't help but just like this guy. I was thinking to myself the other day, you know, oftentimes we always talk about the wrestling tragedies, and there are many. 
many, many, many. This company, the WWE, the the biggest company today, doesn't make enough out of wrestlers that got out and did fine. Yeah. Like Nikita Koloff. Does his ministry. Good health. Walks around fine. No problems. Does weddings, too. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll officiate your wedding for a nominal fee. A donation, of course. Because I, I was watching... I just happened to have the network on the other day, and they had the Alundra Blaze special on there. And here's yeah. another person that got out, successful monster truck driver, right. mar- married a, a serviceman. Everything's fine. Yeah. We don't talk enough about people that just get out and go on to do other cool stuff. Chuck Palumbo, who you thought was dead. I really swear to God <laughs> thought he was. Cornette and Bobby, ah, how sweet. They give each other a big hug before the match. To start the match, Nikita and Bobby do a test of strength with collar... Tie-ups. I, I love Bobby to death, but that that's a really dumb move to try to match strength with Nikita Koloff. His strategy for this match was very bad. We'll get into that at the end of the match. Bobby lays in some stiff rights, and Nikita Koloff channels Road Warrior Hawk and no-sells them, and then sends Eaton to the mat. Eaton complains his hair was pulled after losing yet another test of strength with Nikita Koloff, who is jacked. Koloff works a wrist lock into a hammer lock, and they go to the mat for ages. Eaton kicks Koloff. Eaton kicks Koloff out to the floor and they brawl outside for a minute. Eaton gets into the ring with this mat-based wrestler and he's like, you know what, I'm a high flyer. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna out mat wrestle you. He takes Koloff down with a side headlock and keeps it for ages. Koloff finally hits Eaton with a power slam after a leapfrog spot, so at least we get one big power move. Eaton then goes right back to that headlock. On the mat, keeping this high flyer Nikita Koloff grounded. I write here, they're working this match backwards as yeah. to how they should have been working it. Because JR and Cottle mention at the top, Eaton's the high flyer. Koloff is your mat based wrestler. And they've swapped roles here. Well, I mean, they haven't swapped roles. Bobby should. Bobby's taking him to the mat. I have two problems with the way Bobby's wrestling. Number one, he's not wrestling heelish enough for me. He's got James E. Cornette right there to help him cheat. Yeah. Cheat as much as you can. Yeah. You are overmatched. Right. With your opponent. Not no offense to Bobby Eaton. But and then the other thing is, you're the high flyer. Do your high flying stuff. Don't try to out Matt wrestle. It reminds me of WrestleMania X seven when Benoit and Angle were fighting, and they're both Matt wrestlers or whatever, but eventually Angle says, fuck this. This is bad strategy. I can't out-mat wrestle this guy. And he just starts striking him. And I think that's what should have happened here. You know, Bobby Eaton could have gone in with the idea, okay, I'll try to mat wrestle him. Okay, this isn't working. It's time to go back to my normal move set. But he just never did. Right. Eaton and Koloff brawl to the outside again, and Bobby gets thrown into the post, and then Koloff hip-tosses him on the concrete. No ring mats outside the uh, ring tonight. So a uh, nice concrete hip toss. They get back in the ring, and Bobby works a hammerlock to Koloff on the mat. Cornette sucks chance break out as Cornette is way over the fans as far as hating him. Eaton hits a low blow and then hits a missile drop kick. So he does go up top one time, but he only gets a two count. And then he goes back to the hammerlock. While Eaton's got this hammerlock in, these guys chat it up. They are going over the rest of this match. I mean... I usually don't pick on wrestlers for, you know, having to talk or call spots or whatever, but these guys were having a formal UN discussion about <laughs> what would happen in the rest of this match. More Cornette sucks chance. Eaton has the hammerlock in again, and Cornette calls Koloff a bald-headed goof. Koloff hulks up, 
hits the Russian sickle clothesline, but they both make it to their feet before Koloff can capitalize. Egan goes back to the hammerlock, a very exciting move. The time limit is drawing near, folks. Uh-oh. Time to get busy. 20 minutes gone by, 5 minutes remaining. Eaton hits a flatliner to Nikita Koloff. A young Chris Canyon takes notes and then goes back to the hammerlock. They brawl as time ticks down. Reverse elbow from Koloff and a clothesline, and we're out of time. Yeah. We have hit our time limit draw at 20 minutes. It was a 20-minute time limit draw. Nikita Koloff retains his TV title, but that's not all because, of course, Cornette not very happy with this, so he runs in. Koloff decks him, grabs his tennis racket, and then decks Eaton with the tennis racket, but then Eaton gets the heat on Koloff because Stan Lane, sweet Stan, where have you been all this match? That's right. You finally run out, and the Midnight Express beat the shit out of Koloff and throw him out of the ring as the crowd boos. That's how the Midnight Express does it, baby. This was very, very... <laughs> Very bad. No disrespect to the performers involved. I liked both of these guys very, very much. But ladies and gentlemen, we have a new entry into my top five worst match that we have seen on this show. And unless you are a fan of Hammerlocks, uh, don't this, watch this match. This is bad. <laughs> this is really bad. And like I and for the reasons I stated before, you're a heel. Yeah. Cheat. Cheat your fucking ass off. You can try to fight fair at first. It. Jesse Ventura put it best. Try to fight fair at first, but when that doesn't work, cheat. And that's what Bobby Eaton should have done. It's not cheating if you don't get caught. And he should have wrestled his style. Yeah. And he shouldn't have adapted to laying down on the mat with Koloff. I don't know if maybe Koloff was maybe injured or maybe Eaton was injured and maybe that's why they wanted to do these long hammerlock and headlock sequences, but it never built to anything. Right. And then it just ended. Bobby Eaton. I love the match. Of so. course, I knew it. I knew this would be a big point of dissension between us. But uh, it it wasn't a standard Bobby Eaton match. I, I right, agree. Yeah. It was a very slowed down, mat based match. We go back to Cottle and Ross, who lose all credibility, and they tell us how good the match was. So their credibility shot. Jim Ross earns some of it back because he questions Bobby Eaton's strategy, and I'm like. So did I, Jim. So did I. <laughs> Larry Zabisco is out next with Baby Doll to take on Barry Wyndham for the Western <laughs> States Heritage Championship. I complain about mid-card titles on NXT. Well, the Western States Heritage Championship. Uh, yeah, okay. Maybe NWA could uh, trim their titles, too, because what a goofy name for a title. Yeah, you know, it's... I like heritage championships. I like that idea, that concept. To start the match, Baby Doll gets in Wyndham's face, jaws with him. The camera is in love with Baby Doll. They cannot keep cutting away. I mean, this director wants to show Baby Doll as much as possible. Well, you know, Good looking lady. She's a beautiful woman. Wyndham clearly overpowers Zabisco and hits a hip toss to him after some shoulder blocks. Zabisco as Eaton did, complains about his hair being pulled. There's a lot of hair pulling going on to these heels tonight. It's strange. Zabisco misses a drop kick, lands on his back. He considers selling his back for a second, but then says, fuck that, I, my back's fine. Zabisco works a hammerlock on Wyndham, and I'm like, oh no. Here oh we no, go. it's happening again. Here we go. But luckily, Wyndham had the first match well scouted. He watched it, and he gets out of it with a fireman's carry takedown. So good. Thank goodness. Barry nails an atomic drop 
to Larry, and then he has to regroup outside with Baby Doll. Zabisco decides to focus on Wyndham's hurt knee, which I wish they had made more of a mention of at the start of the match, because this becomes the story. And at least this match had a story to it. Right. And storytelling was involved here, as the first match had none of that. The four horsemen had attacked poor Barry Wyndham's knee in previous weeks, so he's got a hurt knee, and Zabisco is going to take full advantage. He decides to focus on it with a leg lock, but Wyndham elbows his way out of it. They have a brief shoving match. Then Zabisco hits a drop toe hold. Wyndham hits one back, but then Zabisco hits one to him and then wrenches back on Wyndham's bad knee, almost like a lazy man's Boston crab. Then he transitions it to a toe hold. Wyndham gets up on one leg, and I could not believe this. Barry Wyndham hits an insiguri. Owen Hart takes notes to break the toehold and then follows it with a power slam for a two count. Wyndham, the massive man, goes to the top rope but misses a big elbow and sells his leg big time. Uh oh. He is a one legged man. And an ass kicking contest. Zabisco goes back to the leg, which was damaged. This time, though, Wyndham punches out of the leg lock, but Zabisco quickly capitalizes with a slam that looked like he was trying, like, a knee breaker or something. He kind of botched it, but uh, okay. Wyndham hits a belly-to-back to slow down Larry Zabisco, but then another drop toe hold, and Wyndham is right back in trouble with a leg lock. Zabisco sucks chance breakout. Wyndham hulks up with some strikes and hits a drop kick, which, okay, this irritates me when guys are selling their legs and then they hit drop kicks, but it continues to this day. Then a vertical suplex, but only gets a two count, a gut wrench suplex for a two count, and then Larry runs right into Barry Wyndham's sleeper. But then they brawl out to the outside, and Larry goes flying into a table and into the wooden steps. Wyndham gets chucked into the ring post, and Larry kicks Barry in the head. Can these guys beat a 10 count? Yes, they can. He crotches Larry on the ring post and drags him back into the ring. Then Wyndham misses a big forearm and goes flying out to the ring mats like an idiot. Wyndham bumps off the table but gets back into the ring. Larry hits a sunset flip attempt on Barry and gets a two count. Larry tries a neck breaker. Wyndham uses a backslide to escape and gets a two count. Then Larry tries a pile driver. You're not pile driving this man. He back body drops out of it. Both Larry and Barry collide after hitting the ropes. Then Larry misses a knee strike to the corner and Barry hits corner punches to Zabisco. The ref takes a ref bump and Baby Doll fools Wyndham by counting the three. She does. She reaches three, one, two, three. Barry Wyndham thinks he's won. Stands up, arms raised, turns around. Woohoo! He's celebrating. All of a sudden, Baby doll takes off her spiked high heel. Oh, no. She passes it to Larry. Larry Zabisco's hiding it. Barry Wyndham spins, catches the heel right in his face. Barry goes down. The heel used a heel. That's right. Barry goes down. Larry falls on top of him, hiding the heel. Baby doll grabs the ref. The ref comes over. One, two, three. The slip off. The ref never saw the heel whatsoever. Your winner and new... Western States Heritage <laughs> Champion, the living legend Larry Zabisco. Oh, what an honor. What a prestigious honor he took home tonight. In a very good match. Uh, yeah. I thought that it, it told the story of the bad leg. Like I said, I wish they had mentioned it a little bit beforehand. That way I know what to look for. But once he started focusing on it, I, I, got, I got it. And unlike the first match, which had no direction, this had direction. 
Uh, both these guys did fine. Barry's selling of the bad leg was, for the most part, good, other than that drop kick. I liked the finish. I liked this match. This was a fine match. Yeah. Oh, I enjoyed this match tremendously. You know, he won it in 19 minutes, 16 seconds. He almost hit the time limit. Yeah. Oh, we could have had big problems there. Unless the uh, Western Heritage State's title got more time, maybe it did. Something about the network version really pisses me off here. Why? Because it cuts. Yes. A technical error in quotation marks. Now, sometimes they're telling you the truth, and then sometimes they're just cutting stuff out just to be lazy. And I think they just cut something out to be lazy here. A technical error, and we are all of a sudden in the ring for the NWA championship as Ric Flair is going to take on Road Warrior Hawk. One of Ric Flair's gravest challenges of all time. Yes, making this man sell a move. Can Ric Flair do it? Yes. Can he hurt this man? Yeah. Can you hurt someone that can't be hurt? Can you make a man feel enough pain to tap out to the figure four? Can he even be put in the figure four? I mean, are his legs even, do they bend for other people? Yeah. We'll find out. Naturally, the nature boy starts with some chops to Hawk. And guess what? Hawk no-sells it. No-sells the shit out of it. Hawk press-slams Flair. Flair rolls to the mats, which aren't there. It's concrete. But he gets right back in and gets press-slammed again. We get a headbutt to Flair, and then Flair does his patented flop to the face on the mat, which is his signature Flair flop. Hawk then stomps a mud hole into Flair in the corner. Paul Ellering is very happy with the way this match is going. Hawk chucks Flair out from the corner. He recovers on the outside with J.J. Dillon. Oh, J.J., what have I gotten myself into? Yeah, J.J.'s worried. I am in a match with a man that doesn't sell. I can't hurt him. (laughs) Hawk suplexes him back into the ring. Then, oh, the vicious bear hug to Ric Flair from Road Warrior Hawk. Hawk then no-sells some more chops. And rolls out of the ring to regroup for some reason. Flair rakes Hawk's eyes and he no sells. This man has no eyes either, apparently. Hawk throws the wooden steps at Flair, which would have gotten him DQ'd, but misses. So thankfully, this mistake kept him in the match. That would have been a great way, though, <laughs> to end it. This is what Flair actually should have done. Well, it's what he ended up doing. Flair finally decides you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to cheat. He can't no-sell getting hit in the dick. That would mean he has no dick. So he hits Hawk in the dick, and this is the one move that Hawk will sell. Yes, I, <laughs> yes, I do have a dick, and it does hurt when you kick it or hit it. Then he rakes the eyes of Hawk a few times, who actually sells it this time. So his eyes now feel pain. This was the key. Kicking Hawk in the balls has now set off pain receptacles in this man's body. Well, if you're a man and you get kicked it's, in the balls, you understand. It's true. <laughs> we get the signature Flair knee drop to Hawk's head. It gets a two count. Flair throws Hawk out of the ring and then hurls him into the guardrail a few times. The crowd starts wooing in approval as Flair axe handles Hawk on the way back to the ring. Another knee drop to Hawk's head for a two count. Flair chops... And he shoots Hawk into the ropes, but then Hawk hits his neckbreaker. Hawk misses a splash to a down flare and sells his leg. Uh Uh-oh, we got another bad leg. Just kidding, this is Road Warrior Hawk. So Flair zeroes in on this bad leg and works it over before low-blowing Hawk again. Because he found out this is the only thing this man sells. Ellering is now stalking JJ on the outside of the ring, so we're going to have a manager brawl if uh, things keep going this direction. Flair hits a belly to back on Hawk and brings Hawk's knee to the steel post to further that 
alleged damage. Flare locks in the figure four, but he has to use the ropes as leverage naturally behind the ref's back. And Hawk, he channels all of his strength and reverses the pressure, but Flair gets to the ropes. Flair tries something off the top turnbuckle, and he gets caught. What are the odds? Hawk chops Flair. How dare you? And clotheslines both Flair and the ref, which should have gotten him DQ'd right there. If you get clotheslined unintentionally, do you DQ Patrick as a ref, or do you let that slide? I'll let that slide. Okay. Well, that's what this ref did. Then Hawk clotheslines Flair over the top rope while the ref is down. That would have been a DQ. Hawk runs Flair into the post. They get back into the ring, and Hawk hits a power slam. Hawk clotheslines Flair while the ref is still out. Hits a superplex to Ric Flair. We're going to have a major upset here, guys. Hawk covers, but JJ, JJ Dillon, is scared to death of Hawk and hits him with the world's lightest chair shot. And even with the world's lightest chair shot, Hawk no-sells it. (laughs) No, I will not sell that chair shot. So he stands up. So Flair grabs the chair while Hawk is distracted with JJ and hits Hawk with it while the ref is still down. Now, for some reason... Ellering wakes the ref up while Hawk is unconscious. So it's almost like Ellering is turning on Hawk here because he's going to get Hawk the three count. You know, he's going to get him. He's going to get him pinned. Ellering's going to get him pinned, yeah. But Hawk kicks out at two. Flair then vertical suplexes Hawk, who no-sells a vertical suplex. Turnbuckle punches to Flair, who is now bleeding. Flair flops, and Hawk hits a forearm to a down Flair. This time, Flair hits Hawk with the chair in plain view of the ref, and this time is disqualified. Hawk wins. The NWA... No, no, no. Just kidding. He wins by disqualification as Flair slithers away with a win and his precious belt and just kind of slips away through the crowd. And Hawk celebrates like a dork because you do not celebrate DQ wins. He does. He does because he beat the NWA champ. That's right. He's not going to get many opportunities to do that. That's right. And it came by DQ, but... He'll take it. A win's a win. Hawk. Uh, yeah. What can you say about Road Warrior Hawk? So you know what we're going to go to next? <laughs> oh, you don't want to talk about this match? Oh, we, we're more than welcome to talk about this match. What would you think? Good match. Hawk should have sold. A little. Just a little. Just give him a little bit. I understand that, look, it's their characters. They were, they were the originators of no-selling. It was a brilliant idea. Indestructible. You can't hurt me. The old steamroll should have... Uh... But this is the champ. The champ should be able to hurt you a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Basic match. Surprised. This is one instance where the title match does not go on last. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, the, I don't think they wanted to sell this pay-per-view on Hawk versus Ric Flair. Because so. it wouldn't have sold. <laughs> yes. By the way, attendance for tonight. 6,000 people in the Nassau Woo! Coliseum. So there you go. And here we go. Now, Bob... Bob Cottle. Bob Cottle and JR have a lot of time to fill because... They're having to set the cage up. Yes, this was before the days of magical cages lowering from the heavens. Now, this had to be built. This is my favorite... This is my highlight of the show. They read us the credits. Yes. It's one thing to air the credits. It's another to read us the credits. Yes. And that's what Bob Cottle and JR get to do. Then we go over the matches we've already seen... Spending extensive amounts of time on Barry Windham losing the Western States Heritage Championship. Yes, the most significant thing to come from this pay-per-view thus far. So it's time. Half a million dollars on the line. This is life-changing money. Let's explain this here. Bunkhouse 
cage match. Okay. Yes. I'd say the easiest way to explain it. No pinfall. Right. No, no submission. No referee. No referee. On the outside. The, on the inside. The only way to win is by eliminating all the other opponents by throwing them either out the door and both of their feet hit the floor. That sounds kind of distinctly familiar. <laughs> or throwing them over the top of the cage and both feet hit the floor. Yeah, so it is a Royal Rumble in a cage, basically, where all the combatants are in there. Now, technically, since they were doing this first, we should kind of actually say the Royal Rumble is really just the bunkhouse stampede. Correct. <laughs> so, Pat Patterson, you know. Stole the idea. More gimmick infringement. More people stealing ideas. And you know what? This is closer to... This is a lot like that War Games match That's NXT what I was just about put to say. on. This is closer to the War Games that NXT did than actual War Games. That's, a, that's exactly what I thought. And I thought at that NXT War Games match, which they've already announced they're going to do another one, by the way. For um, the love of God, let's do some... Well, let's just modify it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, some modification, please. But they, they mentioned at that NXT War Games, if you go out, your team is out or you're eliminated. So basically, yeah, it was more of a bunkhouse stampede than War Games. Yeah, if you leave the cage, you're eliminated. Which never came into play for some reason. No. But So that's what I'm saying. It was... This is more of a war games, NXT version war games than actual <laughs> war games. So That's weird. Now eight, eight competitors. Eight men. Eight men. Eight grueling, tough, hard fought men who have over the tour date have won. They've earned the right. Numerous bunkhouse stampede over the top rope. Battle Royals. To get here, that's right. In so fact, these, these eight men, these eight men are now going to fight inside a cage. No rules. Anything goes to fight for the prestige and honor of the boot. The big bronze boot. And $500,000. You know, if it's a gimmicked you know, amount of money, why not just make it a million or is that just people wouldn't buy that? They did Flair and Dusty for a million. Now, even though we have eight great competitors tonight, we could have had even more because Big Bubba Rogers had qualified. Steve Williams, Dr. Death, had qualified, as well as Mighty Wilbur. <laughs> so we had the possibility of having 11 people in this small cage. Um, I would like to have seen 12 men, though. Mighty Wilbur was injured and unable to compete, and no explanation was ever given as to why Steve Williams and Big Bubba Rogers did not compete in this final. And actually, based on the 87 results, Big Bubba should have definitely been in this match because Correct. the storyline from he's 87... A defending, he's a de, he's a co-champion, basically. Yeah, a defending co-champion. But he wasn't. No, instead we have eight other amazing competitors. The camera cuts to the rampway. We play some generic song generic 80s for everybody to come out 80s to. 80s song, walking to the ring in the middle of the woods, the son of a plumber, the American dream, Dusty Rose. The king of the bunkhouse. He is. Followed ne- by... Followed by one of the four horsemen, none other than Tully Blanchard. Followed by 
my dear friend, we miss you greatly, Ivan Koloff. Then followed by the Warlord. This the man, massive man. This man is huge. <laughs> yeah, that's this what man, I wrote. Too. This man is fucking jacked. Holy shit. <laughs> he his arms Dude, were is, in a different universe. This is before he went to work for Vince. And I thought he was big then. I thought he was big then. No, he slimmed down to go work for Vince. <laughs> this dude, oh my God. Literally. Was, his, and, and he's got a shirt on, too. His pecs are the size of my waist. I mean, holy shit. This dude is jacked. <laughs> he's definitely our... Uh, failed test this, of the night this dude is lou ferrigno jacked <laughs> i mean holy shit yeah I'll, if he was painted green i would think it was the hulk yeah and not the one from wwf arn anderson now double I, a comes in after i know you're supposed to be in your bunkhouse gear he's in his bunkhouse gear but his bunkhouse gear included a belly shirt now a, this a, is a four horseman belly shirt this is not a good look <laughs> on any man. I never thought it looked good, even on somebody that's slim, like Stevie Richards. I always <laughs> thought it looked stupid on him. And so, someone with a tummy, like our friend Arn Anderson, it looks ridiculous. It looks like he forgot his shirt, and they said, all we have is extra small. And he was like, fuck it. I'll have to wear that. I'll cut it up. Yeah. Make it work. <laughs> so, he's out in a belly shirt, which is hilarious. His and, hair is also in a different universe. And, and when you go to a bunkhouse stampede, <laughs> yes. you think of jeans, boots. A brawl. Yeah. You don't think of spandex. Yeah, Luger didn't get the memo. And fucking Luger looks like belt. he just came in from a jog. <laughs> he really does. Luger was out jogging in the streets of New York. They said, Lex, it's time for the match. He said, oh, I'll just grab this weight belt and throw it around my spandex pants and just go. <laughs> and he's looking pretty big, too, but he is not Warlord. I mean, no, war- dude, I swear to you, if you want to see the biggest wrestler of all time, <laughs> you're going to want to. Andre the Giant was small compared to Warlord. Oh, my God, night. dude. His arms were jacked. He is huge. <laughs> Bo- I didn't realize a body could get this big, okay? <laughs> Literally. I'm just glad that you took note, as I did, of just how massive this man was. And I mean, there's got to be seven other people in the ring, and this man takes up all this space. He takes up a third of the damn ring. There is no way, no fucking way in hell I ever thought a body could get this big muscular. This guy is that... Holy shit, yeah, forgive Scott, me. Yeah, Scott Steiner put, I mean, he put Scott Steiner to shame. He, Scott Putsky? He put yeah. Putsky to shame. Yeah. Holy shit. Ooh. Massive. Yeah. Another massive man coming to the ring. Yeah. Not as big, but still massive. The Mighty Barbarian. Yeah, wouldn't these guys, uh, aren't these guys in a tag team or would be in they a tag would be. team? Yeah. They might still be. And then, of course, back your, in December. Your final participant. He earned the final spot. He did. Road Warrior Animal. That's right. Who saw his tag team partner go down in flames earlier tonight, but didn't run out to help him. No. But he was wrestling as a face, so he couldn't run out and cheat. Although it would have been smart. You're going against the dirtiest player in the game. Exactly. So, this match is easy to call up until the first eliminations because (laughs) everyone just starts brawling. Yeah. Right out of the gate, a bionic elbow to Koloff. Dusty almost sends Tully out the door right away, which would have been an easy night. Fuck it, I'll go home. 
I know the booking. I'm not winning. I'll just walk out. <laughs> One small problem with this match. I talk about believability. I know you have to sus- you have to suspend disbelief at certain points, but going out the door of the cage, I understand. That's possible. Right. It's possible that, that I there's a door in this studio. I could conceivably get you out that door. You could push me out. If the, I yeah. tried as hard as I could. Yeah. Now, if I tried to get you over this wall. And dump me on the yeah, other side. The believability factor, you have to really buy in because it's just kind of tough to get. I'm, not many people went over that way, as you right. saw tonight, but it, it's, it's a tough sell to, right. to get me to believe that I can get you over there. Yeah. And then, anyway, I mean, I, I watch ladder matches all the time. I suspend disbelief all the time. I'm just pointing it out that it's very strange that anybody would try to say, I could go, I mentioned this in cage matches before. It's strange that anybody would go, I could go, go through that door right there, or I could go up this giant wall. And people say, I'm going to go up that giant wall. I'm going to well, do yeah. it. It's more manly. It's more manly, yeah. So everybody just starts brawling around. And Dusty rakes Koloff's face against the cage. Just the cheese grater spot, so we get our first bloody face of the night. Animal gets Tully nearly over the top while Dusty works Koloff through the door. Dusty then turns heel a bit here and bites poor Ivan's head, his bloody head. You know who would be great for this match? Abdul, Abdul the Butcher. Abdul the Butcher. Yeah. I, yeah. And how the hell are you going to get him out? <laughs> You're not going to push him through the damn door. I'd love to see you get him over the wall. <laughs> That's probably why he wasn't in the we match. Were, the logistics we, were, of, we were literally on the same page You have here. to build the cage with him already in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> we were on the same page there. Also, all I thought about this match was like hepatitis C, oh, like God, just yeah. staph infections. God, just yeah. gross, man. It looked hot. It looked hot as hell in there. Yeah, it did. So, Dusty bites on poor Ivan's head, then Koloff and Rhodes and Barbarian battle in the top corner of the cage. They've decided to go up to the top corner, of course. Koloff is bleeding profusely. Barbarian nearly eliminates Dusty. Almost. But Dusty survives. Animal rakes Tully's face across the cage, so now... Tully's bleeding. So now (laughs) Tully is bleeding. One person not doing color in this match. We'll let you guess who. Dusty... Has Arn in his belly shirt halfway through the door, but Koloff wraps a rope. He snuck weapons into the match. Smart guy. Wraps a rope around Dusty's neck and chokes him and stops Dusty from eliminating Arn, which in this match makes no sense. He should have just let him eliminate Arn and then choke him, but whatever. I'll excuse it. Anderson is now bloody. Luger atomic drops Koloff. Dusty, shake, rattle, and roll punches to Tully. Arn's face then gets cheese grated into the cage, so now he's got a nice crimson mask. Barbarian and Warlord double-team Animal. Animal even blades in this match. We know Warlord is going to bleed, and when he does, it's going to be a lot, because holy He's going to pop like a balloon. Yeah, holy shit. Animal is bloody, and Barbarian, I guess, saw Dusty earlier, and decides to bite into Animal's head. Ugh. God, this is just gross, guys. Luger then gets his hero spot, runs wild, you know, clotheslines everybody. Dusty steals Tully's leather belt, takes the belt right off him, and then whips the shit out of everybody. Well, yeah. And the crowd loves it. This was the the biggest spot of the match when... I didn't realize that you could hit somebody in the abdomen as they're running at you with a belt until (laughs) I saw Dusty do this. The crowd loves it. And uh, the king of the bunkhouse... 
He knows his stuff here. Yeah. He, he knows how to use this belt. But then Barbarian takes it from Dusty. All right. Wraps it around his fist and strikes Dusty in the face with he it. He starts teeing off on him. Yeah. He is not happy about uh, those belt shots. Animal's now in the middle of the ring, and he is looking confused as hell. He's like, what do I do? What do, do I do? Where, where do, do I go? Where do I go? Who's next? Hawk isn't there to tell him, you know. <laughs> Bob Cottle and Ross really put over this half million dollars at stake. By the way, still no eliminations. Dusty gets the strap again and beats on Koloff, and he chokes Koloff. Taste your own medicine, buddy. But you know what? Koloff gets it back. Yeah, gets the belt from Dusty, and now beats on Dusty, whose arm is now exploded takes, in blood. He takes, he takes the, the middle piece of the buckle and just starts gashing it into Dusty's arm. Lovely. And just digging that, that, that metal spike of a belt buckle into... Into Dusty's arms. Dusty's arm is just pouring blood. I guess he felt some sympathy for all those scars on Dusty's head. And you said, you know what? You got enough scars up there. Let's just cut up your arm. Yeah. Let's just go to another part of your body. Koloff straps Dusty to the ropes, which I thought in this match, again, not a very good strategy to tie someone up. That's You need to get them out. Luger has someone's boot and smothers Tully in the face with it. These guys are now completely gassed because whew, this they have been in there a long time. It's It just looks hot as hell. I don't know the air conditioning situation in the Nassau Coliseum, but these guys... Probably wasn't working around the ring. They're sweating. They're fucking bleeding. They're in jeans. It's the lights. Oh, man. They just look toasted. Warlord and Barbarian then chop the shit out of Lex Luger. JR mentions, hey... You haven't seen many wrestling moves here, really. <laughs> Animal has Arn hanging over the corner of the cage. Uh-oh. That's right. But Barbarian then stops him and then gets kicked down, and Animal goes right back to work on Arn. Again, bad strategy. Just let the guy get thrown over. It's every man for himself. You need more heels than you do babies, though. True. Tully is pulling Koloff through the door by the throat with the belt. Arn survives and Tully survives at like around the same time. It was really weird that like both of them got out of their predicaments at the same time. All these men were into tasting blood because Arn decides I'm gonna take a bite out of Dusty's bloody arm. Ugh. Well, yeah. Delicious. Yum. It's what's for dinner tonight. Animal gets the first elimination of the night as he throws Koloff over the side of the cage. Koloff hangs on for dear life. Animal pulls out a spike. A spike. And starts jabbing the shit out of the top of Koloff's head till Koloff finally falls and is eliminated. So the Russian bear goes into hibernation. He does. Animal press slams Tully into Arn for a cool spot. Animal has Warlord at the door and kicks him out. How the fuck did he get that one pulled off? (laughs) But the dummy stumbles out with him. So he's eliminated Warlord and himself. And now this is the moment where I actually think the match really picks up. Because now it's the Horsemen and Dusty and Luger. Two heels, two faces. Oh, yeah, the Barbarian. He's over in the corner just taking a nap. Just forget about him for a moment. It's the Horsemen versus Dusty and Luger. Power slam from Luger to Tully. Luger then torture racks Tully Blanchard. Then the Barbarian decides to wake up, and he's hungry. And what's he hungry for? What everyone else is hungry for. Blood. Dusty's bloody arm is what Barbarian decides to chow down on. The horsemen carry Luger to the door, but Luger fights him off with some kicks. Tully walks over the door like an idiot. I thought, what are you doing? He, like, hopped on the ropes 
and like navigated all the way to the door, even though there was no one at the door. So it was kind of stupid here, Tully. Dusty and Barbarian are trading strikes while the horsemen decide to work on Luger. They eventually get Luger to the door. Arn, another questionable strategy here. Oh, I love this strategy. (laughs) Decides to pull Luger out. I'll just go out myself. There's steps here. It's not the floor. Technicality. Kofi Kingston took notes. I've got my foot on the steps, so Arn steps out of the cage with one foot on the steps, tries to drag Luger out. Then Tully, in all his brilliance, gives Luger a shove, and his momentum carries all three of them collapsing off the stairs and into elimination. So now the double A is pulling Luger at the exact same time that Tully is pushing him, <laughs> and they all Luger, go get, Luger gives way, momentum takes over, and all three ass over tea kettle out of the cage. All three men have been eliminated. We're down to two. And as I mentioned, everybody did color except one pretty boy Lex Luger. Not going to be bloodying up that pretty face. Yeah, not happening. So now it's down to Barbarian and Dusty Rhodes, and I think that pretty much tells you who's going to win this match. The Barbarian? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Who is Barbarian's manager? Who is that? So it's just Barbarian and Dusty Rhodes with Paul Jones at ringside. And Barbarian is handed some brass knocks from Mr. Jones and punches Dusty. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, he's teeing off on him. Then he hits a headbutt that the camera fucking missed. A top... Turnbuckle, headbutt, missed. How do you miss this? I don't know. Imagine if that Jimmy Superfly Snuka <laughs> splash, the camera had just cut away, and you never saw Spanning it. Spanning the fans. You know, Elix Skipper's cage walk. Ah, just cut away. You know, that's what they did here. But lucky for us, he did it again. So he hits Dusty with another top turnbuckle, headbutt. Then Barbarian takes Dusty to the door. But Dusty, he's feeling it. It's a bubbling. Dusty, the son of a plumber, he's firing up. He hulks up, and he elbows his way out of danger. The only way he knows how. That's true. Reverse elbow puts Barbarian down. Then both men climb to the corner of the cage, and Barbarian tries to lift Dusty over the top of the cage. A very stupid strategy. Yeah. This man's a very big man. He is a big man. Go through the door. No. Paul Jones, very bad managing here. But instead, as they're in the corner, Dusty reverses this, Gets Barbarian up on the top of the cage. He's halfway there. Then, boom, one bionic elbow. A Barbarian hangs on. He's clinging on for dear life. But Dusty winds up that big bionic elbow one more time. Reaches back way down deep into his boot. He winds it up. He reaches way down deep. Here he comes. He suits it up. He hits it. Bam! And the barbarian falls. And the place goes wild because the American Dream Dusty Rose has just won the bunkhouse cage match, baby. The king of the bunkhouse stampede. In fact, he won all of them. All of them. All the tournaments came down to the guy who created it. Dusty gets the big bronze boot. I wish this big bronze boot was filled with money. It wasn't. They handed him a check in quotation marks. And Dusty walks away the champ as Cottle and Ross wrap things up. We get some highlights and we're done for the night. Yeah, Dusty's a half a million dollars richer. Yeah, he's no longer the common man. No, he's the rich man. He's the rich common man. He's going to have to turn into Ric Flair's character now (laughs) with half a million dollars. Naturally, the face in Dusty Rhodes should have donated You know what he should have done, though? What's that? Put the cash in the giant boot. 
and he's the common man, just start passing out, throwing out the money to the fans. Your booking is so much better. Even if it was singles. Yeah. Just the look. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know, if we could only go back to 1988, hop on the booking committee of the NWA and suggest that, I think it would have gone over real well. This main event, um, didn't enjoy the first part of it because it's just brawling. Yeah. I mean, you know, what what can you say about that? It, yeah. It's like the early Royal Rumbles, which huh, happened to debut the same night as this. Uh on television anyway. You know, they just didn't do spots. They hadn't figured out that out that that part of it yet. And yeah. like by the time you get to war you know, by the time war games is on pay-per-view, they had figured it out, you know. And and by the time and now in modern day eight man, you they've just they've they've got it figured out now. Right. This was still early days of multi-man matches. Uh but once those first few eliminations happened, once the first three people were gone and it was the Horsemen and Luger and Dusty I thought it really picked up then because yeah. then you actually had some storytelling, uh, you had some rivalry. And uh, I was shocked. I was shocked just to see Warlord actually fit through the damn door. <laughs> I was surprised he fit in Nassau Coliseum. Uh, they got him in there. This guy was a muscular King Kong Bundy. That's all I can say. I this mean, match went twenty six twenty one. It felt longer because these guys looked so it tired. Did, it yeah. felt longer. Yeah. So. Uh, very good main event. It's definitely something worth checking out. Yeah, it's I the mean, only it's the only one ever. It's easy one. to find. Yeah. yeah. So if you ever if you want to see what a bunkhouse stampede match is, I, it's, the name is still terrible. I hate I hate the name. See, I like the name. Royal Rumble, much better, much better name. You can't you can't deny that. But, but I, li- I like bunk. That just that sounds like I'm a telling brawl. You. You know, no, bunkhouse just sounds like, like I said, it sounds like some gay bathhouse. <laughs> bunk. I'm going to bunk all over you. <laughs> I don't know. It's just what I think. <laughs> you know, the bunkhouse stampede event did not meet much success and was widely criticized. Especially its booking was not appreciated due to Dusty Rhodes winning every bunkhouse stampede. Of course, that would draw some resentment. Along with Rhodes booking, the event was marred by tickets having the wrong start time on them. That's a no-no. A 6.30 start time was incorrectly printed as 7.30, causing a majority of fans to miss the first half of the event. Uh Uh-oh. That's That's not good. That's a big fuck-up. Like, as I said in the last review we did about greed, WCW... Mistakes for years, yeah. you know. It just, they never could catch a break. Nope. Never could do it right. What followed this? A new rivalry between Lex Luger and the Four Horsemen. A group Luger left in 87, of course. And then you would have the storyline of Wyndham betraying. Wyndham and Luger would hook up, and then Wyndham would betray Luger and join the Horsemen. And Luger would become the number one contender for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship at Great American Bash and Starcade. You know, so, you know another guy that would be great for the bunkhouse stampede. Mick Foley, Cactus Jack. I mean, he wasn't wrestling. Yeah, Bruiser Brody. Yeah, another guy that would have been perfect for. Thoughts on this event overall? Oh, I uh, I enjoyed it. Um, the matches are long, but uh, there's only four of them. There's only four of them. It's very entertaining to watch. You got to get past Nikita and Bobby. That's all. Yep, got to skip it, guys. Sorry, twenty minutes of my life I won't get back. The, the TV title match just didn't... I mean, where I thought it was good, normal wrestling fans are going to say, nah, that kind of sucked. So, Oh, kind of. It, it was terrible. Like I said, top five worst that I've seen uh, on here. It's still not number one. That distinction 
Jameson, you know who you are, buddy. We need to we need to have Jameson on here. Zabisco and Wyndham was fine. Hawks no selling. I wish it wasn't twenty one minutes thirty nine seconds, but yeah, you got some time to fill. And that, that was a quick match for Flair, but I mean, yeah, considering I, it's amazing he got twenty one minutes out of Hawk. Who, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, very impressive. As we we always praise Ric Flair, and you got to praise Dusty Rhodes. I. Didn't really mind the booking of this, but I, you know, wasn't watching NWA at, at this time. You know, I guess this is sort of like the reaction people would have if to John Cena, you know, yeah. in today's thing. But you know, wa- watching it with 2018 eyes, it, it was fun. I liked it. I yeah. liked, I liked the concept. Although, like I said, the suspension of disbelief. I wish it would have been just through the door. Maybe some other. Maybe a lower cage. Yeah. Like a just a fence. Yeah. Something like that, just to make you it more. You have to push them. You have to you have to beat them down to the ground, and push them under the bottom rope, and they slide under the cage onto the floor or something. Maybe it's not a full cage that covers all the way down to the. I know they hate working without ring ropes, but replace the ring ropes with just a little fence. Yeah. And then you chuck them out that yeah. way. Yeah. I don't know. Just an idea. On the rating scale, Hornswoggle, the Giant Gonzalez, the Bunkhouse Stampede, the first and only annual bunkhouse stampede on pay-per-view where do you rank it i'm gonna give it a massive giant warlord wow <laughs> that is uh, very a very 1988 bunkhouse stampede warlord not wwf <laughs> i'm gonna give it an ivan koloff as okay it was uh vicious in parts but at other parts not so wise in his strategy and so there you go that's the stupid rating system. Well, that was your pick for this week. That was. Next week is my pick. Where are, and you, where are you taking us? One piece of praise I forgot to heap upon this. Only two hours. This only took two hours yeah. to watch. Yeah. I love that. So I'm going to pick another two-hour pay-per-view. And since my last pick was the final WCW pay-per-view, I'm going to pick the last original ECW pay-per-view from 2001. Guilty as charged. Uh-oh. Which is, uh, Paul Heyman, are you bad at with money? Guilty as charged. As this would be the final ECW pay-per-view from 2001, main evented by Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn. So there you go. A, a phenomenal match by Jerry Lynn and RVD, by the way. Yeah, this is a show I've never seen, and it's only two hours long. So... And on the network, it's probably cut down a little bit more. So that's always a plus. And there you go. Uh, any predictions before we get out of here for... We do have Fastlane tonight. Well, yeah, any predictions for the main event? AJ, I think it's pretty simple. AJ wins. Okay, there you go. I agree. The rest of the card don't care. Well, that'll do it for us. You can find us at RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. Where can they find you, Patrick? On Facebook, Patrick Young or Patrick Young Wrestling. Type that into the search engine and it'll pop me right up. You can also uh, find me on our Facebook page at Retro Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. Um, shoot us a message there. Uh, I, I, as well as Alex, check it. Alex checks it a lot more than I do. If you're wanting to talk to me personally, Alex can direct you to the ways in which to get in I'll touch give with you, me. I'll give out your address, absolutely. Yeah, go right ahead. My phone number. Social security social number. Social security number. You can hell, oh. give them my bank statement. I don't give a shit. Well, so. there's not much there. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. Bingo, bango. Well, everybody knows Dusty is a John Wayne fan, and Dusty Rhodes was a a Western movie fan. And there's some romantic cachet to the the old cowboys in the bunkhouse. They would settle things. And it was another way, basically, of bringing up a a violent street fight kind of match, no holes barred, but instead of just a match between two guys or two tag teams or whatever, it was an entire battle royal. The bunkhouse stampede, battle royals, and we had them um, all through the month of December at all the Jim Crockett, most of the Jim Crockett promotions events. And that way, you know, people, some guy would win one one night, another guy would win one the next night, and then whoever had won the most over the course of the month would meet in the finals to determine who got the big ceremonial boot. And, uh, you know, they, they, you go back and look at the gates, they drew pretty fucking well. Uh, Cause the, the thought of seeing 20 of the toughest wrestlers in the world, all dressed in street clothes, uh, you know, bashing each other over the head with cowboy boots and belt buckles and brass knucks and whatever they might bring in their pockets or whatever. There was a lot of blood and a lot of violence. And then usually dusty, would uh, would either win the boot or, in the case of the 1986-87 series, Christmas 86, uh, he and Bubba Rogers tied with number of victories, and they had the, uh, the championship match inside a cage in Pittsburgh in February of 87, sold out 16,600 people at Civic Arena, still the most people ever to see a wrestling match in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, that's, by the way, when Bubba had not been a full-time pro for a year yet. They drew that kind of house. So it was another one of Dusty's concepts, and even a lot of the boys made fun of it at the time, especially, you know, the horsemen didn't want to go out there in fucking cowboy outfits and fucking, you know, blah, blah, blah. Tully was not a fan of it, but they did the best they could with it, you know, and, and, and got it over. But a lot of the guys joked it was because Dusty was, you know, a Western movie fan, and, and, but it, and it was, but it was, it was successful, and it was a different attraction, and it, it made the cards different, and... As you saw, at least in one case, it drew an all-time record-breaking crowd.